Government Man. Metamorpho, metamorpho, starts out in old Egypt land. Metamorpho, metamorpho, Rex Mason was his real name. Metamorpho, metamorpho, a soldier of fortune didn't care about fame. Metamorpho, metamorpho, until fate took a hand in the game. What a change, so strange. Metamorpho, 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 metamorpho. Trapped in a pyramid, he saw a light. Metamorpho, metamorpho, it came from a glowing meteorite. Metamorpho, metamorpho, shooting cosmic rays stronger than the sun through his body and brain, and when it was done, there, yeah, there, yeah, there, yeah, 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 there, stood the element man. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Fire and Water podcast, our fourth installment of the Bob Haney Showcase. Yay! This is the official podcast of AquamanShrine.net and FirestormFan.com, by the way. I'm one of your hosts, the Erity Mobile Shag from Firestorm Fan. Along with me, as always, is my co-host, the zany Rob Kelly from Aquaman Shrine. How you doing, buddy? I can change my molecules just like that. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. <laughs> I'd sing the whole song, except they just heard it, which wouldn't be very fair to them. I am so excited about, about this, folks. We love the Bob Haney showcases. And by the way, if you're going to be on the interwebs, and I know you are, we need you to uh, post with the hashtag Zany Haney. All right? Hashtag Zany Haney needs to be on everything because we are here to celebrate the joy that is Bob Haney and Bob Haney's writing. You know, when this started a couple years ago, we said to ourselves, you know, Bob Haney's comics were like crazy. They were nuts. Like, these are just, they don't make any sense. They're kind of fun in that way. And then the more we talked about it, we realized this man deserves to be celebrated. His body of work should be celebrated, not mocked and jeered and called Earth B or, or whatever they called it for a while Earth there. Haney, I thought they called it. Okay, yeah. I, I think they called it a little bit of both because Earth Bob, whatever. But it should be celebrated. It should be, you know, put up on a pedestal. And it, there wasn't enough room in one special to do it. So now we're on our fourth one already. Yeah, last, so, last week when we were talking about what show we wanted to do this week, we're like, you know, it's just before the holiday. Let's kick back. Let's do something fun. And we both were like, Haney. We just immediately jumped to that. So these are always fun for us to do. So that's, it, was, uh, it was a no-brainer to do another installment. Well, a couple weeks ago we did our listener feedback episode, and we caught up on a lot of that. And there was just so many comments, comments about the last Haney special. I think that may have helped fire, uh, put some fuel in the fire there. But. Yes, yes. Now, Rob, I think you wanted to ask the folks at home to participate. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I found a, a panel from the book that I'm going to profile later on in the show, and it's my favorite panel from the story. <laughs> it might be my favorite Bob Haney panel ever. Uh, <laughs> and I tweeted it out over the uh, the uh, Film & Water twi- Twitter feed, which is Film & Water Pod. Yes, all let- all 13 letters of it. Film & Water Pod. <laughs> Uh, and so I would like it if anybody that's enjoying this episode, if they have a particularly favorite Bob Haney panel, to do the same, to tweet it out and use the hashtag, as, I, as Shag just said, Zany Haney, which is Z-A-N-Y-H-A-N-E-Y. Uh, tweet that out and use the hashtag, and maybe when we do the film, we can sort of collect them all. Everybody can see them because it's just – Bob Haney's stuff is so fun, and when it's it's even more fun when it's out of context. And so <laughs> I would like to see what everyone else chooses. So if you are so inclined, 
you know, Twitter, Twitter, tweet out a Haney panel and make sure you said hashtag Zany Haney. I want to open it a little bit more because not everyone has access to like a Haney comic digitally or whatever. Can we open it up so they can include covers? Is that okay? Sure. Yeah. Like their favorite Bob Haney comic cover. If, yeah. Because I just want as many people to participate as possible because this is just, has just been a blast. In fact, leading up to this, I tweeted out to everyone and I said, look, I need some suggestions for what Bob Haney comic to cover next. I didn't want to Brave in the Bold episode. I, I didn't want to Brave in the Bold issue because Rob was going to do one of those and we'd done a bunch of those. I wanted a Metamorpho comic. And sure enough, one of our folks came through and uh, that's where my selection is going to come from today. By the way, I should just throw this out there real quick. Folks, if you were tuning in today to the Fire and Water podcast, hoping to hear Shag talk about the brand new Firestorm costume that has been revealed for Legends of Tomorrow, that's going to have to wait for another day. Sorry, it is all Bob Haney all the time right now, folks. So come back to that another day or go check it out on FirestormFan.com. I've talked about it out there. But you know what we should probably do, Rob? We should probably thank our sponsor. What do you think? Absolutely. All right, folks, this episode of the Fire and Water Podcast is sponsored in part by InStockTrades.com. InStockTrades is your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions, all for up to 42% off with free shipping for orders of $50 or more. What you got, buddy? I am picking Wednesday Comics, the hardcover edition. <laughs> yes. Uh, you which... jerk. That was going to be mine. Oh, too bad. So uh, Wednesday Comics was that newspaper-y format uh, thing that uh, DC put out a couple of years ago. And this is the collected edition, and it's printed at the same size the Wednesday comics were printed, which is like, I don't even know. It doesn't list the size here, but it's something like 11 by 17. It's even bigger than your standard treasury. This was a hardcover, 200 pages. It features, the collection is just, un, I mean, look, anytime there's an anthology, you have some hits and some misses. This thing has some misses, I'm not going to say what, but it has some amazing hits, uh, including Adam Strange by Paul Pope. Metamorpho, which is why I'm mentioning it here, by Neil Gaiman and Mike Allred. That is insane. Yeah. Uh, Green Lantern by Kurt Busiek and Joe Canones. Hawkman written by Hawkman by Kyle Baker. Commandy by Dave Gibbons and Ryan Sook. The Metal Men by Dan Didio and Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Praise be his, Praise name. Be his name. Sergeant Rock by Adam Kubert. Uh, Supergirl by Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor, featuring an appearance by Aquaman. Uh, there and a bunch of other great trips. This was so much fun. I was uh, this was the brainchild of um, uh, Mark Chiarello, DC's I think design director or art director. Uh, he's a huge fan of the Treasury editions. I've interviewed him for the MyTreasuryComics.com site, and this was sort of like his his baby and he brought it he brought it to life and it was it's it was a really amazing collection of stories i I don't know if they'll ever do another one i hope they do but this was so much fun anyway it's the oversized edition it makes a perfect gift for christmas because it's just a big handsome book normal price (laughs) do you want to give me your address i have it already i have it already uh, the normal price is forty nine ninety nine. and stock trades price is twenty four ninety nine. that is a flat 50 percent off you can't beat it Nice. Well, I, I have to fall to my fallback uh, option because Rob chose mine. But either way, I picked Legends of the Dark Knight Jim Aparo hardcover volume two. So this is going to be our buddy Jim drawing some of the most beautiful Batman stuff from, you guessed it, from Brave and the Bold. Yeah. So issues number one, well, it doesn't matter. It's a bunch of issues, okay? Uh, a lot of, all of them written by Mr. Bob Haney. This includes team-ups with The Flash, Aquaman, Mr. Miracle, Green Arrow, Wonder Woman, Dead Man, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Phantom Stranger, Supergirl, Teen Titans, and, wait for it, a team-up with Jim Aparo and Bob Haney themselves, folks. Yes! 
uh, a few ep a few Bob Haney showcases ago, we covered this amazing Brave and the Bold that actually has Bob Haney and Jim Aparo in the comic, and it is in this collector edition. Check this out. As I said, you, got, you guys know the creative team. You know that's already gold. 520 pages. All color. Normally retails for $49.99. Right now you can get it for 45% off. That's only $27.49. And this is a hardcover. So this is going on the bookshelf, folks. This isn't going in a, in a box somewhere. This is going up nice. So be sure to pick that up on InStockTrades.com, your best online source for trades, hardcovers, and other collected editions. So the theme song we played was Metamorpho from the JLA record. We got a lot of feedback from people on the last Bob Haney Showcase. They said, you know what? We keep playing the Metamorpho song on the show, and we've never actually covered a Metamorpho comic. So we decided we're going to cover two of them, folks. Not just one, but two of them. Um, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about Metamorpho, because a lot of and, and about Bob Haney. A lot of people know who Metamorpho is because he's been around. He's been very active in the DC Universe for a very long time. But people don't necessarily know his history and where he came from, because they know him as like a Justice League member or an outsider or the funny guy who shows up like in a Justice League cartoon or a, a Batman Brave and the Bull cartoon, whatever. He's got a really interesting history and publication history. So uh, let me jump into that real quick. We'll do that. So. Uh, Metamorpho first burst onto the scene, folks, on October 29th, 1964. He was created by Bob Haney and Ramona Fraden and Charles Paris. Charles Paris being the inker, Ramona Fraden being the artist. And that was in Brave and the Bold number 57. Now, he appeared in two issues of Brave and the Bold, 57 and 58, and boom, got his own ongoing right away. So Metamorpho number one, yeah, that's right, Metamorpho had his own ongoing, if you didn't know that, came out in May 27th, 1965. So there we go. So just six months later, he had his own ongoing. And then this, this, this part blows my mind. By the fourth issue of Metamorpho, so by the fourth issue, we're up to December 9th, 1965. So Metamorpho has been around for just over a year. He was offered membership in the Justice League of America. <laughs> and he turned it down. Metamorpho says no. Exactly right. That is the name of Justice League of America number 42. How insane is that? Within a year, this guy gets offered membership in the JLA. That never happens nowadays. Now, now his series, while it was running, he also appeared in two more Brave and the Bold issues, and he appeared in Aquaman number 30. And why was he there, Rob? It was Aquaman's funeral. That's right. That's right. And that was the last time Aquaman was ever seen. That's right. Um, so the Metamorpho series lasted 17 issues. Uh, then, now, Ramona Fraden left after four, which is kind of sad. And they just couldn't you – know, a lot of artists tried it, tried to mimic her style, but just couldn't keep it going. Anyway, so after the 17 issues, he continued to appear in Brave and the Bold four more times after his book was canceled. And he had a short run in World's Finest and some, and some backup stories. Then we get to First Issue Special, which is what I'm going to be talking about today, specifically First Issue Special number three. We'll come back to that, though. And he just he appeared off and on, not a lot, up until 1983, where he showed up in Batman and the Outsiders. And this is the part that I didn't, I guess I knew in, in my heart, Rob, but I didn't realize it. He's pretty much been in constant publication since 1983. I didn't re, you don't really think about him as a mainliner of the DC Universe, but he has always either been in the Outsiders or the Justice League ever since then. Yeah, I guess that's right. I was thinking, yeah, you're right, because he's just like Europe. I think visually, he's just so interesting. People like drawing him. I think, and his powers are so useful. I think as a writer, he probably gets you out a lot of story jams. <laughs> he's also a little bit like Firestorm in that he's sort of overpowered and really shouldn't get in as many jams as he does with his power set. But we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, interesting, a couple other interesting notes. You know, he he's died several times. 
Um, I've actually lost count of how many times he's died just since I've been following his adventures since the 80s. And uh, I mentioned he had his own ongoing series for 17 issues. For a character who's been around that long, surprising how few times his name has been emblazed on a cover. So he had the 17 issue ongoing. Then he had a four issue mini in 1993. He had a another miniseries called Year One in 2007, and that's it. There was a one shot with him and the new Aquaman, uh, not the new 52 one, the uh, Arthur Joseph one. Well, that, that was, was part of a big crossover. Thing. Right, that was technically a Batman and the Outsiders crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was like it was. I don't remember what they called that thing, but yeah, there it was. It might have just been called Outsiders something. Something like that. I did, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But as far as him headlining his own thing, it's only one time, which is kind of weird because you think with a character. That pretty much, I think pretty much everyone is aware of him nowadays. You know, I, everyone kind of knows who he is, at least in the comic book readers' world. And it's just shocking. Now, here's the thing that I, I think a lot of people don't realize is his comic, his ongoing comic, was not really like the Metamorpho you know now. The Metamorpho you know now is sort of a wisecracker who's got a, an amazing set of powers, and he's he's a little bit of a badass, you know, and. Back then, his comic, as you're going to find out as we go through this first issue special, honestly, it was, it was almost like a, a like a funny book. Yeah. Because the, the yes. plots were crazy. I mean, they were zany. They were literally zany, haney, and, and things were nuts. And I'll, I'll go over some of the stuff here, and as I explain it, I, maybe it'll make a little more sense. I want to talk about the primary characters in the book because, again, you know Metamorpho from the Outsiders, and you know him from Justice League. You may not realize who these other characters are that were around him in his background all the time. So, uh, in the back of first issue special number three that I'm going to cover, Bob Haney wrote a text piece. Uh, did you get a chance to read the text piece? Yeah, I did. It's glorious. It, it's Bob Haney's lang- use of language is awesome. Like, there's a part in here where they describe Metamorpho as the scintillating, sensational, and merely fantabulous hero. He loved. <laughs> he loved the alliteration. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. So just just give you a little background on the character. Rex Mason is his real identity. When Before he became Metamorpho, he was a devil-may-care soldier of fortune, and he was a crack Grand Prix race driver. I didn't remember that part. but And his boss was this guy named Simon Stagg. And Simon Stagg was this crazy uber-rich guy who also happened to be a genius. He would send Rex on all these whacked-out missions, and Rex was co- constantly facing death, sort of an Indiana Jones kind of guy. So Simon Stagg offers Rex a fortune to go recover one particular object from the Nile region of Africa. It's called the Orb of Ra. And while Rex is exploring this ancient pyramid looking for the Orb of Ra, Rex is betrayed by one of Stagg's own men. And he ends up getting trapped inside the pyramid, and it turns out there's an ancient meteor in the pyramid, because, you know, that's where you keep them. And that transformed Rex into the Metamorpho character, which his powers, if, if you're not specifically familiar with them, and I didn't realize one of these limitations, he can change his shape into anything, in his form, including, you know, gas, liquid, solid, whatever, any shape. But apparently, the chemicals he becomes, all, it's all chemical-based, and they are chemicals that are found in the human body. I didn't realize that piece of it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't think and, I knew that either. Yeah, at least according to Bob Haney. And, you know, I kind of trust him in this case. Although he is, does tend to make stuff up. And, you know, he's, he's cursed with this horrible appearance, even though he's always got this fun attitude. Now, so the, the other three characters that you need to know about going into this, I mentioned Simon Stagg. That's that crazy rich guy who's also a genius. Um, the thing, here, here's where the, the comic starts to show its almost funny book roots, is that Simon Stagg is always scheming, always scheming to get rich and to get more power. And quite often, he's the antagonist in the Metamorpho stories. I mean, when, when we get done with his first issue special, you would think he would get sent to prison because of the, what he did. But no, he's just, they all laugh it off. Ha, ha, ha. He's, you know, <laughs> he's part of the team. 
It's like it's like Doctor Smith from Lost in Space. You know, he's like he's always trying to backstab you, but at the end of the day, you just you, you don't care. You just go on with it. And um, Simon Stagg's henchman I mentioned earlier, the one who betrayed Rex, is named Java, and uh, he is, I kid you not, a prehistoric man who's been resurrected from an Indonesian bog. Seriously, he's a caveman. Because, is- because Metamorpho wasn't enough of crazy concepts to jam into this. <laughs> he, he, he's an intelligent caveman named Java, by the way, who is like the chauffeur for Simon Stagg. And uh, as I mentioned, he was the one who actually betrayed Rex in the Pyramid, which caused Rex to become Metamorpho. Again, you think he'd get locked up and put in prison at the end of these stories. Nah, he's just that obnoxious guy. Now, why does Rex, or Metamorpho, whatever you want to say, put up with Simon Stagg and this henchman? All for one very good reason, the same reason that most men do stupid things. For a girl. For a chick, that's right. Her name is Sapphire. Sapphire Stagg. So this is Simon Stagg's actual daughter. And she is a gorgeous blonde. Uh, And she's Rex's girlfriend, and she's smoking hot. And so uh, in addition to Rex, you know, being his girlfriend, or the, the girlfriend, Java, the caveman, is also in love with Sapphire, which forwards a lot of subplots because he's always scheming. Uh, Java's always trying to get closer to Sapphire. And uh, quite honestly, probably anyone who sees her is in love with her because she's so hot. I'm just, it's wow. And Ramona draws her amazingly. In this comic, she's drawn with these huge eyes and just, she's very golden and shiny. She's she played, and this is, this is again, another funny book kind of aspect. She's played like a, a playgirl. She's spoiled just as can be. And um, <laughs> the way Bob Haney said it was that her love demands lots of money, loot, moolah, dough. So in order for Rex to keep her as his girlfriend, Rex has to make a lot of money. That's why he continues to work for Simon Stagg. She's that shallow. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I ain't it, saying it, she's a gold digger, but she ain't. Never mind. <laughs> But, uh, like, I mean, she's kind of like, uh, she she literally is written sort of like Veronica from Archie or, or like a Richie Rich character. Because here's, here's one quote of dialogue for real. She goes, oh, fudge, daddy kin's left without giving, my, without giving me my allowance again, and I'm down to my last thousand. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's insane. It's, it's crazy. And to think that this character has been lifted and dropped into DC Universe proper. You know, it's, it's almost like trying to fit, I don't know, sugar and spike in the DC universe or something. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. But somehow Metamorphos made it work. And he's brought along Sapphire and Stag and stuff a couple times, at least in some of the Just League Europe's and some of his spinoffs. You know, they showed up once in a while. Quick thing about Bob Haney. I meant to mention at the top of the show, you know, one, another reason to celebrate this man. Uh, just some of his contributions to the DC universe. As a writer, he helped co-create Metamorpho, as we said, Teen Titans, Eclipso. The Super Sons of Superman and Batman, some of my personal favorites. He was the first writer to tackle Sergeant Rock. He's the one who changed Green Arrow's uniform. He, uh, he, for Aquaman, he created Volko and Tula. He created super hot Aqua Girl. Very nice. And he's responsible for writing so many of these, these gorgeous, wonderful, ridiculous Brave and the Bold issues that we love so much. So we all owe Bob Haney a debt of gratitude. And for those of you who have been out bashing Bob Haney over the years, shame on you. Shame. <laughs> Who's been doing that? <laughs> Everyone used to. I, I mean, when I was younger, I remember when I worked in the comic book store. I mean, he was a frequent target just to, like, mock. Really? Like, oh, well, that comic didn't make any sense. Must have been written by Bob Haney. You know, hmm. whereas now I think it's like we do still say that, that that's crazy. It must have been written by Haney. It's genius. You know, it's, we celebrate him now. So good. What you got? You're gonna say something? No, I said good. I'm oh. glad. I'm glad to hear it. I always liked him. I, I mean, he wrote Brave and the Bold for so long, and that was one of my favorite comics. So I didn't know that he was kind of 
run down. I didn't know that. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to, because he's, he's great. He's always been great. Did you read the letters page in, in uh, the Brave and the Bold issue that you're doing? Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about that or can we talk about No, I, I wasn't generally, but we can if you want. I just it's so funny to read the letters page because they're talking about the in the letters page they talk about the commandy issue of Brave and the Bulb. And the comments are basically everything we kind of say. They say like that was absolutely insane, but it worked. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and they talk a lot about, you know, how this the plot doesn't make any sense, but you know what's enjoyable. And it's like that's Bob Haney perfectly because he never pauses to let you consider that. He just moves forward. It moves every all his stories move at such a breakneck pace that you don't have a lot of time to go, "Wait, what?" You just, you just go along with it. Uh, you, you said it on the last Bob Haney Showcase. You said two things. One, you said that, yeah, it's, it's absolute confidence. Bob writes these stories with absolute confidence, so you never doubt it for a second. And the other is it's sort of like a fever dream. You just get draw, dragged along yep. with it. Yep. yep. So so uh, I'm going to cover First Issue Special number three. Now, if you're not familiar with the First Issue Special series, it was an attempt by DC. They kind of said, you know, what, what sells well are first issues. And, and supposedly, I guess this was a, this was a Carmen Infantino project, wasn't it? Uh, the first issue specials? Uh, that I don't know. I think it was. I, I might have that wrong. If I do, forgive me. I'm, I'm sure our folks at home will correct us. But anyway, they, um, they, this idea was, why don't we have – it's like a trial book. Every, every issue is like somebody's first issue. Like Dr. Fate has an issue and Metamorpho has an issue and the green team has an issue. So, you know, it's you – know. <laughs> The dingbats of Danger Street. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, I don't know that anybody ever spun out of it. Really, Warlord. War, I, I was trying to remember. There was one. I couldn't remember who it was. Warlord. So there's a new podcast talking about Warlord. Have you heard about this? I have. You know who's doing it, right? Uh, the Sutherlands. That's right. It is called Warlord Worlds, folks. They're tackling uh, all the creations by uh, by writer-artist Mike Grell, including Warlord, John Sable, Green Arrow. Sweet! So check that out, folks. Um, so first issue special, number three. Let's just get into it. I, I keep talking around it. I might as well just do it. Right. <laughs> this is a lot I, of foreplay in this episode. I'm so excited about Bob Haney. I can't help it. <laughs> All right, folks, this is cover dated June 1975. It was actually on the shelves March 18th, 1975. And thanks to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics for that information. 1974. So, I'm oh, sorry, 75. What? No, you're right, 75. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should get used to that statement where you said I was right. If you want to get a copy of this, you're going to have to uh, convince Rex to turn himself into a time machine and go back in time inside of him and pick up a copy off the shelves. So, um... It, you know, it's interesting. This came out after his ongoing. So 17 issues of his ongoing are already done. It's about 10 years after the character was created. So still going strong. Uh, the, the issue itself is called The Freak and the Billion Dollar Phantom. And it's written by Bob Haney with art by Romina Fraden. She came back after 10 years to draw the character again. Very now, nice. I'm going to be completely upfront, folks. I hate doing recaps of comics. I do a lousy job of it. History has proven that. So this time I am leaning on a crutch. I went and I borrowed the, the synopsis from the DC Wiki page. I'm not going to read it bit for bit, but I am going to lean on it very heavily because it makes a lot. With these sort of stories, as we described, the fever dream concept of Haney stories, I need a little help this time. All right. So Rex and his girlfriend, Sapphire, have taken a vacation to Washington, D.C., where they're visiting the Lincoln Memorial. While they're there, they see this phantom who steps out in, uh, from behind a column and begins to zap the security guards with electrified energy ganks. And uh, Rex goes to stop him, but the, this this phantom turns into a shadow and disappears. They're both kind of they're all kind of scratching their head, kind of like, "What was that about? What was he doing here?" So they leave, and and they come across. Uh, they go to the National Mall, which is you know down by the in between the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument. And there's a group of protesters down there, as there always <laughs> seems to be. Stupid hippies. <laughs> 
suddenly a wall of fire erupts from a pit in the ground, and all these uh, all these hippies are in trouble. So Rex uh, turns into turns his body into fire foam and douses the flames. He specifically names the chemicals and everything. I guess those exist in the human body. So, <laughs> then another strange incident happens. The Washington Monument begins to tilt as if it's getting ready to fall over. So Sapphire sees the Sapphire actually sees this phantom character that they saw at the Lincoln Memorial blasting away at the monument with his energy cane. Metamorpho turns into a bulldozer and stops the monument from falling over any further. The, then this phantom, the phantom's next target is the dome of the Capitol building. Now the dome itself appears when they get there. The dome itself actually appears to be sort of spinning and dancing. And Metamorpho turns into hydrogen and floats up there because you know, that's how he flies. He turns into like a gas and flies up there. He flies up there to confront the Phantom, and the Phantom wheels around and blasts Rex with his energy cane. And that is the end of part one, ladies and gentlemen. And we're going to take a short break to cover some of the ads in the comic because I have to mention some of them this time because they're so cool. A couple of ads. Amazing World of DC Comics. And did you see who was all celebrating that issue, Rob? Huh? In the, in, in the ads for this comic, there yeah. was an ad for The Amazing World of DC Comics. Well, we was, haven't gotten to that yet, though. Well, I'm not doing it frame by frame. I'm just going to stop it. Oh, I thought you were just going to do. I thought you were going to do the ads that we got to this point. No, I'm going to do the ads that I oh, feel like. All right. Okay. Yes. Celebrating the Justice Society of America. Mm, well, not sugar, exactly. And, well, Sheldon Mayer and Sheldon sugar, Mayer, sugar exactly, and right? And Sugar yeah. and Spike are there. I knew you'd be excited about that. Yeah. Also, for our folks who love, love, love uh, the DC sort of warrior comics, they do have they have a great ad featuring Stalker number one and Beowulf number two. How cool is that? <laughs> those giant hits. <laughs> Speaking of which, now Ange is a lover of those comics, and I forgot to mention this issue, this first issue special was recommended by Ange. He's the one who suggested it, so thank you, Ange. All right, back into it. Part You're not two. even mentioning the Superman hostess ad? Shut your mouth. That's my that's my stinger. That's my last one. Oh, all right. Okay. I, that's one so good I saved it for the end. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Back into it. Part two. So Metamorpho, he's on top of the Capitol building dome, and he's being zapped. What does he do? He stretches his leg. He corkscrews it up to the dome and actually uses the dome itself to ground him so the electricity that he's being zapped with is soaked up by the dome because the dome is made of cast iron. That's one of the things I love about Bob Haney. He always puts so much science into his books, whether it's complete BS or not. I love that he makes the effort to put it in there. It's fantastic. So once again, the Phantom disappears. So um, Metamorpho reunites with Sapphire and Simon Stagg and Java, who, who, by the way, are on vacation with them. And uh, I love their car because the grill on the car is like this shiny. Solid Richie, gold. Yeah, solid gold with a dollar sign for the hood ornament. It's total Richie Rich kind of thing. So they're all hanging out, and they're watching the news on the TV in the Rolls Royce or whatever kind of car it is. And they discover from this news broadcast that the Phantom of Washington <laughs> – always appears during wartime. And he's actually been witnessed by... Hold on, your part's coming. <laughs> he's been witnessed by at least three American presidents. They show us uh, that President Lincoln was visited by the spirit of this this phantom during the Civil War. Woodrow Wilson was visited by the spirit in World War One. Rob? Oh, my Lord, it's the phantom! <laughs> yes, FDR gets a visit from the phantom. And as you can see in the, in the panel, his little dog Fowler is very upset. He's barking at the phantom. And this was on the morning of the Pearl Harbor bombing, actually. So uh, Rex and Sapphire have decided they needed – or I should say Rex has decided he needs to do more research. So Rex and Sapphire go together to the National Archives where to learn more about the Phantom. That's where we get some of these ridiculous quotes from Sapphire about how – what a spoiled little rich girl she is. Oh, she's sitting there powdering her nose through scenes and the – oh, it's, it's so cornball. I love it. So they find out that the Phantom was actually a, a French soldier who offered his services to the American government. 
against the British during the War of 1812. And he uh, he had in his possession this ancient Egyptian artifact, which was apparently a biochemical weapon. And it was capable, right? And it was capable of repelling the British Army, is what he told the President Madison at the time. Well, Madison blew him off. So right after that, the Phantom, or the man who would become the Phantom, was killed by a British soldier, and uh, he swore that he would rise from the grave and, and seek vengeance, or he would haunt uh, those who uh, refused his aid. And, and so he's angry. Now, I got to call it out here because, by the way, Metamorpho is referring to this Phantom as Doc Destiny a couple times here. So you get Doc Destiny, Phantom of Washington, whatever you want to call him. Anyway, you get one of the most ridiculous storytelling tools in this in this story. You get a flashback. Within a flashback, <laughs> so it's like without even the squiggly panel borders. I don't, I don't even know how to tell the difference between the two flashbacks. So anyway, so Rex and Sapphire have uh, discovered that um, you know they've they've done all this research and they get going and they come upon the Phantom sneaking up on the presidential limousine outside of the White House. Rex spots him. He sees that uh, the Phantom is turned into a snake, and that's how he figures out, ah, that's how the Phantom's been getting away from me, turning into animals. So Rex follows him. Uh, they, he turns into a ga- an invisible gas, follows him through this drain pipe, and he ends up in the Phantom's lair. And the Phantom is there recharging his cane with some weird device. Rex notices this picture of the Capitol Dome inside the chamber there, and it's got a big red circle around it. Well, he knows he's already attacked it once, so it must be that there's something going on at the Capitol, and that's actually the Phantom's real target. He's going to strike there again. So Rex comes out of there, explains all this to Sapphire. Meanwhile, Java has been hiding in the sewer, because that's what you do, and he was over, he, he overheard the whole discussion. And the reason it's that important is because Java has actually been following our heroes because Simon Stagg wants to steal the artifact for himself because not only is he our hero's girlfriend's dad, he's also an ultimate prick. So that is the end of part two. So we're going to do a couple more ads real quick because it's a great time to do it. Also, advertisements in here, uh, this comic, you get adap- DC's adaptation of, wait for it, the Bible. I kid you not. Looks beautiful, I tell you. It, it is. It's a treasury comic. It's a is beautiful, it? oh, beautiful okay. book. Yes. Then there's a cool ad for the Cleveland Institute of Electronics. It's a distance learning school where you can learn about electronics. Curiosity got the better of me. They're still in business. Look at that. <laughs> uh, and then finally, as my friend Rob alluded to, thanks, Rob, there's a Hostess Fruit Pie ad on the inside cover where Clark is a complete dick who screws over his co-worker's life. We're talking an Eddie Brock-level epic reporter uh, moment here. He just totally screws over this reporter and ruins his life. So, thanks, Clark. We've got to cover those on the show one time. We really should. Well, we, you know, we did some. We did, the, like, the Aquaman-specific ones one time. I, th- I mean, that yeah. was like four yeah. years ago. I barely even remember it. I think we but, need to do much how they, on the, they do Romance Comics Theater over on Lonely Hearts uh, Podcast. I think uh, we need to do Hostess Ads Theater. That might be something worth doing. That sounds like a lot of fun. All right, cool. All right, back into it. Part three. Metamorpho goes back to the Capitol Dome again because he knows that the Phantom's going to go there. He spies the Phantom searching for something inside a hidden pocket within the dome, right? And whatever he's looking for, though, is gone. Somebody has gotten to it first. The true culprit, the person who got to the dome and stole this item, was none other than dun, 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 Simon Stagg. So Simon and Java has taken this item. Uh, they found what the, the Phantom was using. That Again, it's an ancient artifact of great power. They've stolen it, and they have gone to, well, where would you go with the stolen ancient Egyptian artifact? Fort Knox. Yeah. So they've gone to Fort Knox, where they plan on using it to steal the gold reserve, because Simon Stagg is a dick. And uh, Java's clumsiness, uh, of course, comes into play, and he actually drops the device, which sets it off. The device then begins to melt 
all of the gold bricks, which are apparently just in one big stack, uh, and <laughs> all the gold begins to melt into a giant molten gold river. Metamorpho zooms into the room in the shape of an airplane, snatches up Simon and Java, and flies away before they can be engulfed by this river of gold. The Phantom arrives on the scene, because apparently everyone just figures out that Fort Knox is where you need to go. Anyway, the Phantom arrives on the scene, desperate to retrieve his artifact. He actually dives into the glowing gold river, or lake at this point, really, and Metamorpho follows him. Rex causes some sort of chemical reaction that doesn't really make a lot of sense, and, it, it, and he comes exploding out of the gold bouillon river, or, or lake. And when the smoke clears, both the Phantom and the ancient weapon are gone. Rex explains that somehow the molten gold dissolved the phantom and the menace, and that uh, I'm sorry, uh, the phantom and the device, and that is how the adventure ends. Dun, well, it, well, it ends with a with with a panel of Metamorpho talking directly to the reader, asking if you want to see more of his adventures to let DC know. That's a good point, yes, because that's what the first that's what first issue special is all about. They were like, it's supposed to be like a tryout book. So, that is the, what is it called again? The billion, uh, the freak and the billion dollar phantom. There you go. Wow. It that is insane, dude. That is absolutely insane. Now, I, I have lots to talk about with this. you you want to go first? I have lots to talk about it as well. I love the living fudge out of this comic book. <laughs> <laughs> I've never read it before. Uh I've only read three issues of first issue special to this point now. This one, Warlord. And the Doctor Fate. The same as me. And if now I know that the rest of them can't be this good because the <laughs> the rest are dingbats of Danger Street and the 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 the, the green team, the green team, and some Starman, other, right? yeah, and the the yeah, that hippie star man. Who cares the blue skin one? But man, I, I mean. We've I've read three issues of this series and all three are complete winners. I mean, this the, the, the Doctor Fate is one of the greatest Doctor Fate stories ever, maybe the single greatest Doctor Fate story ever. It is. This story is just such a delight, and you know, from your description, it sounds like it's forty-five pages. <laughs> from all the shit that happens, it's eighteen pages. Yep. I mean, I'm not gonna. I, I know I don't want to sound like an old fogey because that ship has already sailed, but like. Think of all the shit that happens in this story, right? Now, I, this this cost 25 cents at the time. I just bought a James Bond comic book because I love James Bond, and there's a new James Bond comic out. And I'm like, you know what? Let me give that a shot. It was James Bond number one. They spend an entire page of him sitting in a chair. It's <laughs> an entire page of him sitting in a chair. And I'm like, look at all the stuff they crammed into these 18 pages. You know, like you just feel like you really got a full meal with this story. And I'm not even mentioning the friggin' artwork, which is gorgeous because it's Ramona Fraden. She's the perfect artist for this feature because it's cartoony, but it and it involved because of his powers, it involves someone with a lot of visual imagination, which Ramona Fraden had in spades. There's a reason why Hanna Barbera picked Metamorpho to be one of the stars of, of a solo cartoon in the sixties. That never actually happened. But he was picked. I was going to say, I'm like, what the hell did I yeah, miss? Yeah, no, he it was uh, he was him and Plastic Man were going to get their own. That's why they have those rec those songs on the record. Is because they were going to be cartoon stars, but it, it just never pan it just that never panned amazing. out. In fact, there's an ad from uh, in the back of some '60s comics for Batman the TV show and the Superman Aquaman animated show, and at the bottom it says like something like "And coming soon, Plastic Man and Metamorpho in their own animated adventures." Oh, I think I've seen that. Actually. Yeah, and it said it never actually panned out, but I mean Metamorpho, Metamorpho was a perfect character for that visually. He's great looking. His color scheme is super cool, purple and orange, which is just a great color scheme. They look really nice together. His powers are great. 
I love the crap out of this. It's just the the, the phantom character is suitably kind of spooky because he looks like a, a, a corpse when he's in the ghost form. Well, All you, know the, he, you know what he looks like? He looks like Lon Chaney from, yeah, uh, yeah, the, from Phantom of the Opera. Uh, yes, yes, he does. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and as you put it, as you uh, mentioned, uh, uh, Sapphire is absolutely bona fide gorgeous. Ramona Frayden drew beautiful women. Uh, it's, <laughs> yes, she did. It's wonderful. It's, I loved the crap out of this comic. I was so delighted to read it. I think I read it like three times straight through. Just it was, <laughs> and just all the little random stuff. I mean, like the opening sequence when the, when the freak shows up and he starts zapping people, there's a cat just running through the frame for no real reason. I mean, why is there a cat at the Lincoln Memorial? I don't even understand that. It doesn't matter. It's, I, I, I just was an utter delight to read this story. Well, and like even the even the you know the antagonistic characters of Simon Stagg, who's got like huge, he looks kind of like an owl, huge yes. eyes, really <laughs> giant eyebrows. You know, Widow's Peak, and his you know his his caveman henchman Java, who looks like a you know looks like a caveman with enormous ears. I mean, yeah. it's absolutely balls of the wall, cartoony, goofy. And I you know I never thought about the animated series idea, but yeah, it's perfect for an animated cartoon. Yeah, because. Because with Metamorpho, you can pretty much do anything. Yeah. So it, it fits perfectly with kind of an animated, especially the 60s, 70s kind of wackiness they would do. Mm. So, all right, a couple different thoughts here. Um, first of all, Phantom of Washington, Doc Destiny. I feel kind of bad for him because, truthfully, he was just trying to help at the, bo- at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, really. He visited all these presidents who were going into war and tried to give them a weapon to win the war. So none of them took him seriously because they just figured he was an apparition of some sort. Thanks, Madison. Right. <laughs> and now, I, what I don't get, it, you know, this is where I shouldn't look too closely to the Haney oh, see? logic. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Well, you don't look too, you don't want to look too closely, but you got to ask, why did he attack all the monuments? Why was he haunting everything? Was it just to get revenge? Or was he trying to distract people so he could go to the dome and get what he wanted? And if that's the case, couldn't he have just gone up there and taken it without making the dome itself dance around and stuff? But again, that's that's like don't look behind the curtain kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, now, you're right because it's not like the the monuments have anything to do with the presidents that he visited because he goes over to the Washington Monument and right. he doesn't talk about Washington here. So yeah. Well, I think I understand why we visited the Washington Monument and the Lincoln Memorial and the Mall and the Capitol Building and the National Archives. I think Mr. Haney had just taken a vacation to Washington D.C. <laughs> And he was looking for a tax write-off. Wrote it off as a work expense. <laughs> Good for him. Because uh, I, I've told you before, I, I actually went to Washington, D.C. Uh, last year, the year before, I can't remember, with my family over the summer. And every single one of those are in a line. I mean, you just go boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom. You, you walk to every single one of those. And it's like I'm reading this comic reliving my summer vacation. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. He just came back from Washington, D.C. That's clear as day that that's what happened here. He must have. But that's okay. I don't care. I loved uh, other little notes. Like I loved Metamorpho, how he would turn into all these crazy vehicles to get places. Like you know, he was a unicycle at one point. He turned himself into a tricycle at another one. And then, and then it seems like his default is what's on the cover: this rocket car that he becomes. Can you imagine the toy line that could have been made from a Metamorpho line of figures? Oh, yeah. All the vehicles they could have made. Oh yeah. Just paint them all orange and green and stick a Metamorpho head on top of it, and you're done. Yeah. Hot Wheels would have made a fortune. I, uh, I I really do think this cartoon would have worked in the 60s. I don't think it would work now, but I think in the 60s or 70s, it totally would have totally worked. Totally would have worked in the 70s. And oh, yeah. he would have had a little, you know, he would have had like a dog 
You know, I was going to say that he would have got a, a goofy sidekick. Roro, Red or Morpho, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> And they would have eventually introduced Element Girl, I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. So. I have to mention this before I forget. I love on yeah. page two when they're at the Lincoln Memorial mm-hmm. and Rex tries to lean in for a kiss. Yeah. And, and Sapphire says, Rex, not in front of Mr. Lincoln. Why? I can almost hear him objecting. Right. <laughs> Cock blocker Abe Lincoln. <laughs> Damn you, Abe. <laughs> you rail splitter. What are you doing to me over here? Yeah. I can't. I, yeah. I, did you say who did you say recommended this? Uh, Ange. Ange. Thank you, Ange. Because this was I just I I'm so charmed by this, and I think part of it is in contrast to the fact the last couple of episodes, like the, uh, the Aquaman has been so disappointing lately, and you know, like it was just so fun to read a comic book that I just found such utter delight. And again, Haney always, for as silly as this stuff was, and it's very silly. Like I said, he grinds. He grounds it in some level of reality because you just mentioned he's going to a real place. He's in real places. Um, he meets with real people. I mean, this this book I mean, in just eighteen pages and all the crazy stuff that happens. He manages to work in cameos by Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson, James Madison, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, <laughs> who looks like the friggin' shadow, which is awesome. I love the way they ran a and draws FDR. Well, there's also all the science that is sort of grounded. Whether the science is BS or not, it's you know at least it makes it feel like it's legit. Yeah, yeah. By the way, we were talking about Sapphire. I got to mention page fourteen. I, I'm I'm head over heels in love with her. First of all, she's you know crazy chesty. She's beautiful. Oh, that first panel. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. she's pouting with those beautiful giant blue eyes, yeah. and then I like how she's putting a lipstick and in, in, in you know angrily when she's talking about money and stuff like that. Yep. I mean, she's totally a gold digging, bitchy. Snob, who you know, you know, probably wouldn't talk to you in high school, but who cares? You can't help that you had a crush on her anyway. You, when she walked by, you always hoped her cheerleading skirt might blow up. It just, she's just <laughs> super hot. Wow. By the way, I have to go back. When you, I love how you thanked Ange for recommending this comic, and you said after uh, the recent few episodes that were so disappointing, even though Ange was on last week. I know I meant uh, issues. I meant issues. <laughs> I issues. know. Well, the Firestorm issues have been good, but. Don't so, try and cause problems. Now I'm being complimentary <laughs> for the love of God. I know. All right. So I have I have a legitimate story question, like a writing <laughs> question. This is legit. So this issue was broken into three parts: part one, part two, part three. Now I get when you're doing a JSA story or a JLA story why you do that because each chapter has different teams going to do different things, right? And I get that every story has three parts: a beginning, middle, and end. But I don't get why the chapters are necessary at this point. And now I know it was very common practice for comics to do it, but I guess I hadn't really taken the time to stop and think and go, when it's a straightforward story like this, why would you bother doing part one, two, three? I think it's just a, it was just a habit, I think, by this point. I mean, Bob Haney had written a lot of television. He wrote a lot of uh, – not a lot. There weren't that many to write, but he wrote episodes of the Aquaman cartoon show. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's when he used to write for commercials. He wrote everything in three acts. You know, and plus yeah. each act has a kind of a beginning, a middle and end sort of, you know, it has some sort of a pause that you would presumably go to a commercial on. So I think that I think that was just the style. I think, you know, I think these guys grew up with that and that's how they wrote. You know, hold on. As I'm fucking, I was going to say, maybe they also stuck all the ads there between parts, each part. But no, that's not the case. The ads are kind of wherever. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, well, either way. This comic is a complete and utter win, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely love it. First issue special, number three. If you can't get you know a physical copy of it, you know, get it digitally. However, you go about those types of things, 
and uh, just enjoy the living crap out of it. You know, I bet it's in the Metamorpho showcase. Yeah, but I imagine it would have to be. It's yeah. funny. They act like he's been gone for, like, many, many years, and he had been appearing before this. I mean, not as a solo star, but he was in JLA. I mean, he had had other appearances. Well, they act, they act he, like he's been gone for a long time. He, he kind of had, though. Because, again, he had, he had 17 issues of his own. Right. Then he had four issues uh, of Brave and the Bold. And then he had a few backups in World's Finest in 73 right. and 74. Right. But... I mean, there was a period. I mean, he wasn't appearing on a monthly basis in a well, regular. No, he didn't have a regular home. No, no, no. Definitely no. I, no, that's true. I just mean they act like he had not been seen in a comic book for a long oh, time. Okay. That's not true. He was in JLA number one hundred. He shows up for there, even though he turned them down. That he always gets shows up to all the parties and stuff. And <laughs> so I mean, he'd always he'd been around here and there. So. It took Justice League year for him to join. By the way, earlier I know I said he's been in pretty much constant appearance since then. I love y'all, but I don't need a whole bunch of like, no, you know, in the Judd Winnick outsider theory, that wasn't actually metamorphal. That was the one piece of his body that grew his own intelligence. I don't need that, okay? Really. That is the best Ryan Daly impression I have ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. I've been working on it. I've been listening to Secret Origins, you know, burning up on that. But uh, just just go with it, guys. Just enjoy the crap out of this thing. It'll, it'll live it. And, and so, I uh, love Ramona Frayden's hippies. <laughs> I could look Ramona Frayden hippies all friggin' day. And I hate hippies. And I love the way she draws hippies. Says, says the literal liberal. I'm super, I, that's how I feel. I feel I'm free to say that. <laughs> so, again, it, you know, it really does feel like a wacky humor comic. Because, again, like at the end of this, what Simon Stagg did, he melted Fort Knox. He should go to jail. But no, at the end of the issue, it's just like, you know, it's almost like the end of a, a, a Super Friends cartoon where everyone's like, ha, 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 And then all next, good it's fun. all right back to normal. All in good fun. Exactly. So next, you know, next episode, Simon Stagg will be back. So I like Dr. Smith. And I did, it just makes it that much more endearing. So, all right. We, we've waxed this, this car several. We've waxed this me- more metamorpho rocket car a several Solid times gold now. car. Yep. So, folks, uh, we're going to go to break. And when we come back, Rob is going to guide us through another Bob Haney extravaganza that includes Metamorpho. So, um, see you on the zany other... That's not working. Oh, well. See you on the zany other side. The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, in which four guys talk about romance comics and about romances in comics with Siskoid. We're all uh, French Canadians here. Marty! In horror comics, there's often like this little, you know, <laughs> romance tinge, I guess. Okay. Bass. <laughs> we oh, just yeah. turned on him! <laughs> and yours truly, Fern. I'm very aroused. Featuring the overproduced wonder that is Romance Comics Theater every episode. Dan, I knew it couldn't last from the first day you eyeballed me when I reported to work. It wouldn't matter if I washed in laundry soap and came to work in a burlap sack. I'd turn you on. And you have the same effect on me. I... I do? The Lonely Hearts Romance Comics Podcast, available at lonelyheartspodcast.wordpress.com and on iTunes. We've had a comic book romance. Thank you, Green Lantern. I'm not Green Lantern. I'm Booster Gold. If I were Green Lantern, my costume would be green. Now, wouldn't it? Hi, I'm the French Meltdown from Tumblr.com. My dad, FKA Jason, and his friend, Roy Charlemagne Cleary, have a new podcast called Silver and Gold they want you to listen to. It drops on Tuesday, December 22nd, 2015. 
My dad is a huge Green Lantern fan, and Roy is a huge Firestorm fan. So they teamed up to record a podcast about Captain Adam and Booster Gold. Inspired by the Fire and Water podcast, Dad and Roy are reviewing each adventure of Booster Gold and Captain Adam one issue at a time. I really want you to listen to this podcast because, honestly, my head will explode if my dad tells me Captain Adam's origin story one more time. The podcast can be found at CaptainAdamBlog.com on December 22nd, 2015. Please listen and drop them a line at CaptainAdamBlog at gmail.com. Save me from my father and the endless torment he puts me through with his constant lectures about Captain Adam. And I guess Mr. Gold is pretty cool, too. www.CaptainAdamBlog.com December 22nd, 2015. The Silver and Gold Podcast. Gee. Thanks, Captain Adam. Next time, be a hero by remembering you're not. And we're back. All right, folks. Uh, you heard that. The Silver and Gold Podcast coming to a podcatcher near you soon. Rob, why don't you tell our folks at home what we're about to talk about? Yes. my For my uh, half of the show, we are going to talk about Brave and the Bull number 123, which features Batman, Plastic Man, and Metamorpho. Which Woo! best thing ever it's how to make a superhero written by of course bob haney art by of course jim apero uh, what more do you need i love that the credits just say story bob haney art jim apero that's it <laughs> not consulting editor line editor group editor 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 <laughs> no it's two guys that's all you need anyway the story opens up with um, some terrorists that have taken control of this bank batman is batman is uh, of course there to help out uh, but the whole thing is solved when a member of the Gotham City PD throws a grenade in the window <laughs> teller's box and blows up the bank. <laughs> the Gotham PD does not dick around. Batman, during the confusion, Batman sneaks in, beats up the criminals. One of them he knocks out with a giant bag of nickels, which is <laughs> fantastic. So anyway, Jim Gordon shows up and he says, I'm giving you one of the biggest assignments of your career. Bring in bring in the man named in this arrest warrant. And as you might imagine, the name on the arrest warrant is Bruce Wayne. He's, he's charged with fraud and murder. Now, you would think Batman would say, what the hell is this guy talking about? But instead, he responds with, don't worry, Commissioner. That rich, spoiled playboy may think he's above the law, but no man is. I'll get him. What? So, yeah, we're like, what is going on here? So Batman, we find out Batman's investigating. Then across the world, overway in Istanbul, we see Bruce Wayne wearing a very smart uh, brocade dickie uh, talking to uh, talking to the this head of this uh, the, the this sort of like – not – I was about to say arms dealer, but like a va- – what's the word? Just, just call him Sala. Just say Sala. Well, he's Sala. No, but I mean he's like a guy that de- – deal. yeah, he, de- he deals in rare and took – Rare antiquities. That's what I was trying to. The word antiquities. Anyway, his name is Hakim Fazul, because of course it is. He uh, owns this statue, a totem called the Fabulous Neji, which is the totem of the Qadhari tribe of Africa holds most sacred. Bruce Wayne talks about that he wants to buy it from Hakim to to, to return it to the people who who it's um, it's their right it's their rightful possession. He wants to return it, and he's outbidding somebody else for the uh, for the honor. So anyway, Bruce Wayne goes back to his hotel room, and he's confronted by Batman, which, of what? course, makes no sense, because we all know Bruce Wayne is Batman. Whoa, then, whoa, what? Yeah, I know. I'm Seriously? Shocking. So then we have a flashback 
to Gotham City and we see Batman apprehending a hobo and it turns out <laughs> and it turns out the hobo is Plastic Man. Now, uh, this is related to another story that Bob Haney wrote in Brave and the Bull number 96 where Plastic Man uh, fell for a woman named Ruby Ryder who ends up being a bad guy and he Plastic Man ends up being so bereft of uh, the fact that he fell for Ruby Ryder that he just becomes a hobo. He like loses all of his confidence to be a superhero and he's basically wandering the streets of Gotham City homeless. Batman decides to make him a deal. And he says, I've got a job for you, an important one. I've got to leave Gotham for a few weeks, but somebody else has got to keep the crime lid from boiling over. So he asks Plastic Man to assume Batman's identity while he's in Gotham City, which Plastic Man decides to do it, of course. So Bruce Wayne says, don't you, you know, now now we're back in the present day, and uh, Bruce Wayne says, don't you remember all that? I'm Batman, you're Plastic Man. Come on, pal, this joke's gone far enough. Of course, Batman, a.k.a. Plastic Man, knows nothing of what he's talking about. And uh, Hakeem, uh, uh, Hakeem, but another one of the Istanbul guards comes in and knocks out Bruce Wayne and has him arrested. And Batman and ends with Bruce Wayne even being locked up. And that is the end of part one. See, once again with the parts here. Mm-hmm. So we have part two, Return of a Tigress. Bruce Wayne is in jail and uh, a lawyer comes to visit him. And it turns out that that lawyer is actually Rex Mason. And he's bringing Batman's costume with him, and he helps Batman escape from prison. More on that in a moment. (laughs) So they escape from prison. Um, Bruce Wayne says, uh, reminds me, there's another Batman prowling around. Plastic Man, he's the key to the whole mystery. Metamorphos says, check, being the world's second greatest detective. Huh? I'd say our first move is find Plastic Man. I never knew that Metamorpho was known as a detective. Metamorpho, <laughs> Metam- Metamorpho decides to find some uh, uh, clues as to where Plastic Man, in, uh, Plastic Man is, including posing as a mailbox. And he says two postcards in four letters, but not a sign of that phony Batman. Better turn in what I collected at the post office and rejoin the <laughs> real man- Manhunter. He's such a good citizen. I love it. So anyway... Uh, we spot that uh, on top of the b- building, which is owned by Ruby Ryder, there's the big double R. So they see that Plastic Man is entering the building. They go and chase after him. They find the building and they see that uh, Plastic Man and the guys of Batman is back in the throes of Ruby Ryder. She talks about how that she's basically using Plastic Man to steal the Neji statue. And that's her whole plan. So she's using... Uh, her family, womanly wiles to control the weak, weak-minded Plastic Man. And um, her, her assistant says, what if Plastic Man spoils this whole plot later? He says he, she says he won't. Before the palmeric catalyst, my chemist made to brainwash his freakish mind wears off, we'll feed him another cocktail, a deadly solvent, and presto, no more Plastic Man. Now, of course, we're wondering, how did they get this solvent into Plastic Man, a.k.a. Batman, in the first place? That's a very good story. We find out that she had a a brilliant idea that she used a midget to (laughs) pose as a young child running a lemonade stand. And we have a shot of a young lad. He doesn't look like a midget. He looks like a young boy. And a 10-cent lemonade stand, he says, here, Batman, yours is for free. And Batman says, why, thanks, son. So we find out that they've been basically slipping Plastic Man, who's in the guise of Batman, this this solve uh, this uh, solvent kind of thing over the last couple of weeks to make him susceptible to mind control. And how many panels does Bob take to sell all that? That's three panels. That's Bingo. it. Bingo. That's, that's the whole that's thing. Done in and out. So anyway, 
Ruby Ryder gets on a plane along with Plastic Man, heads over to Istanbul to buy the statue uh, because uh, now that Bruce Wayne's been arrested, he he can't bid for the statue. So unfortunately, he's got to send it to Ruby Ryder. She grabs the statue. Batman and uh, the real Batman and Metamorpho get inside the building. Metamorpho realizes that Batman she, he has to. Uh, um, be a distraction before Batman can get away with the real statue because we find out that the statue that Ruby Rider has is actually Metamorpho in disguise forming the shape of the statue and including turning himself into a tape recorder which is picking up Ruby Rider's confession because he can do that. Well, he does explain that uh, the tape recording is based on iron yes. particles which do exist in the human body. Yes, yeah, there is all that I said. All the, all this stuff is completely real. So anyway... <laughs> We see that Batman has absconded with the actual statue, and he's using it as a raft, paddling down the Nile. Apparently it floats. Because <laughs> it floats. Um, Metamorpho's role as the statue is given away when Ruby Rider's cigarette forces him to cough. Don't smoke, kids. Batman returns. Uh, hey, that's a movie. Batman returns in Metamorpho. <laughs> uh, then Plastic Man, fully under the guise of Ruby Rider, pops out of the Batman costume, attacks Metamorpho. The two of them fight one another, which is awesome because you really ever, never get to see that. These two guys square off against one another. So uh, the taper, the uh, recording of Ruby Rider's confession gets popped out the window. Uh, it's about to fall out the window. Plastic Man drops it, and it looks like it's about to smash into the ground until Metamorpho turns himself into a spring and a catcher's mitt. Picks it up, saves it from being smashed. Plastic Man wears off. Uh, the catalyst wears off. Plastic Man is back to being Plastic Man again. Ruby Rider has her goon take a shot at Plastic Man, but he grabs the gun, throws it out of the way. They stop Ruby Rider from escaping, thanks to Metamorpho turning into a giant spiked wall over the door. And now Plastic Man is back to normal. And he says, uh, save your breath for the, for the trial. Metamorpho says, yeah, that little tape's going to send you both away for conspiracy for attempted murder for a long time. Back at Gotham City, Batman, Plastic Man, and Metamorpho uh, celebrate with a case well done. Plastic Man wonders, but now what happens to me? Going back to be a panhandling bum again? Batman says, never. The way you handled those bank robbers as my stand-in was spectacular. You're a superhero for all seasons. With Metamorpho ads right on. And then finally, back in the heart of Africa, we see Bruce Wayne having returned the statue to the tribe. And all is well. And that is the end of this issue of The Brave and the Bull. Woohoo! <laughs> this thing was an absolute hoot. And again, it's... 18 pages. I read approximately the entire length of a Dickens novel, and that was 18 pages. <laughs> this thing's insane. Uh, the Metamorpho one was just goofy fun, you know, like humor comic fun. This is crazy. This is absolutely insane. The whole plot of Plastic Man impersonating Bruce Wayne, or Batman, and being brainwashed into thinking he's Batman and helping her is just friggin' crazy. The, yes. the glass of lemonade midget thing? The, I, that is probably my single favorite Bob Haney panel ever. Just the idea of a midget posing as a little boy selling a lemonade stand. And then the Batman just sort of wanders around Gotham City buying lemonade from people. I love that idea. He walks around in broad daylight being like, you know, he's buying lemonade. And I just I just love that. And he's buying Girl Scout cookies. You know, <laughs> There's probably like a Little League, uh, Gotham Little League team with like Batman's sponsored on the back you know like he chipped in money for their uniforms i just love batman as an upstanding member of the gotham society well it starts off on page one it's daytime and batman's out there in fact i gotta tell you that that is probably one of my favorite pieces in the book as far as just visually that very first page with batman leaning up against the the police car mm-hmm. is just gorgeous 
I mean, that is a, a really, I mean, it's it's a tiny little drawing, but if you really look at it, it's very striking where Batman's leaning against the police car, the cape is draped over him. He looks very Dark Knight-ish yep. um, during the shootout. It looks really good. I, I love the idea that the Gotham City Police Department solves this by just throwing a grenade in the bank. Well, it's, it's somebody dressed, it's a cop dressed up as an old lady. It's a cop dressed as an old lady <laughs> making a deposit, and the guy opens the drawer and it's a grenade. I, I love that. They just blow the bank open. They're just like, hell with it. Just, just forget it. <laughs> Screw the hostages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These assholes are going down. Oops. And I haven't even mentioned... The Bag of Nickels? Be- you did. I did mention the Bag of Nickels, but how beautifully drawn this is. I mean, yeah. it's a Jim Aparo... Like I've said it so many times in this show. Jim Aparo in the 70s cannot be beaten. He is at the top of his game. He makes all these action sequences so wonderful. Everything is just the dramatic tension... Everything is just so good, and much like uh, Ramona Frayden, he really brings a lot of visual invention to Metamorpho. I love the idea that, like at one point, uh, Metamorpho turns himself into a whirly bat for Batman to ride across Gotham City. I mean, I love that. I love how uh, Ruby Rider is really super hot. Uh, Uh, Can we mention Ruby Rider stole Mara's fabric pattern? Yes, she did. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she looks very Mara-ish. Uh, and like, at, and at the end of the story, when Metamorpho turns himself into a door to stop Ruby Rider from running away, he said he's a giant wall with metal spikes, like and a portico. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just it, there's just so much to love about this, and you wouldn't think for with Aparo, it's funny because Aparo had a fairly realistic style. It's more Neil Adams just than anything else, but he was also capable of cartoony stuff. He did some cartoony work for Charlton, which were mm. flat out humor features. Uh, and he's able to pull that off here with, like, Plastic Man. You wouldn't think that he would be a natural fit for Plastic Man uh, or Metamorpho, for that matter, but he, he quits himself very well. I said, this is just – I the influence of 70s cop shows on Bob Haney, Brave and the Bold Stories is so apparent, and I feel like, you know, at the wrap-up – first of all, the opening feels like a cop show, you know, yeah. the, the thing. And then yeah. the end – the end – uh, where it's them and Gotham City, you just feel like if that's what happens when it comes back after commercial, you know, and it's like Brave and the Bold epilogue, you know, and it's like next week, Pernell Roberts gets stars, you know, that kind of thing. It's just, it just has that influence. This is just so, as much as I love the, the other comic that we read, I love this one so much. I knew I was going to love it because I'd read this years before. This is just a blast. You know, I think this is in the collection I pimped at the beginning, by the way. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you, if you really want to check yep. it out, you should do that. And by the way, the, the next very issue, next issue is the one with Jim Aparo. Yeah. Exactly right. So I, I have lots of little things I just wanted to mention. Like I, on on uh, page five, when we're getting the flashback of Metam- um, sorry Batman meeting uh, Plastic Man when he's a, a bum. Yeah. It's you mentioned he encounters him. What it really is is he's just walking down the street and Batman, and Batman arrests him. him. No panhandling. Beat it, buddy. No panhandling. It's, Plastic Man didn't even do anything. Very it's nice, Batman. Very nice. Totally being the man, you know, being the establishment, which is great. Now, you mentioned uh, as far as the creativity he brought to Metamorpho. I, I got to say, I think he probably took a lot of, of lead from Ramona Freighton because, like, on page eight, Metamorpho turns his finger into what looks like a pizza cutter, but it's actually a glass cutter. And he's cutting open the window in the jail cell, which, by the way, I'm trying to figure out what he's tracing. It might be a figure of a woman. I'm not sure. But anyway, he's, he's cutting the glass. Or he turns his finger to that. Whereas what I forgot to mention in the first issue special, there's a scene where Metamorpho goes to use a payphone, and he turns his finger into a quarter. <laughs> and drops it into the payphone. And by the way, he probably took it right back out, I bet. What, what a thief that guy is. But So I think he takes a lot of his lead from Freighton, and that's not a knock. That's, you know, that's a compliment, so – 
And then you, you mentioned earlier that the fight between Plastic Man and, and Metamorpho is just glorious. I like the line where they, uh, Plastic Man calls himself the original freak of a thousand shapes, and then Metamorpho calls himself the fabulous freak of a thousand and one changes, which is great. <laughs> And then when oh, there, there's like a there's a scene which is just fun, but it's really gross if you think about it. Uh, Plastic Man or Metamorpho turns into a gas. Plastic Man inhales him, so he's inside a Plastic Man, right? As a giant balloon, plastic balloon. Metamorpho then turns himself into a pin and pops Plastic Man. Okay, I forgot if to mention that. Yeah, if you step back from that, that's really gross. Like Plastic Man. Ex- Exploded outward. I mean, yep. there could have been organs and everything flying against the wall or something there. It was pretty nasty. So and then the last comment is, and this is more story-driven, but when Plastic Man's, you know, the, the, the serum, whatever it is, wears off, yeah, there's only one reason that serum wore off. Because there's no logical reason for it to wear off at that point other than they were on page 16 of an 18-page comic. I think, yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention uh, the, the panel where where he turns into Metamorpho turns into the mailbox. I yeah. love that he's collecting mail. He turns himself into red and blue, so he looks like an actual mailbox. He mean to me he looks like Thomas the Tank Engine with those colors because he's got a face on the side <laughs> of the mailbox. The side. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, I'm going to get back to it in terms of the scene where Metamorpho helps Batman get out of prison. This is the story Uh-oh. that ten years later in Batman and the Outsiders. Some write, some kid wrote in and said, hey, how can Metamorpho not know Batman's secret identity? Because in Brave and the Bold number 123, he clearly does know Batman's secret identity because he helps uh, Batman get out of jail. And Mike W. Barr says, that story is not the Batman I'm writing because there is no way that Batman needs help to get breaking out of a jail cell. He's Batman. <laughs> so that story is of a different continuity, and that started the whole Megillah, which got Mike W. Barr into so much trouble. So it well, is, it when is, you say in trouble, you mean just anger the fans. It's well, not like he got death threats, all yeah, kinds of it's crazy. Not, it's not like Jeanette Kahn came down on him. No, 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 I don't mean that. I, I just mean he he really brought himself uh, just, uh, yeah, he the ire of nerds all around the world. Well, it uh, sounds like he was into it, though, because, I mean, he chose to publish those letters. He, he did. He chose to feed he the did. fire and argue with them. He did. He did. I mean, it was it was message board flaming before there was such a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Aside from Batman and the Outsiders as a comic, which I really enjoyed, Siskoid, uh, the letters page had its own separate storyline going on. And there was one, <laughs> there was one point where he kind of had had enough of it, and he finally said something to the effect of, look, everybody, let's be honest. These are characters owned by DC Comics. And they are they exist because they turn a profit, you know. And he's like, the day the Batman stops turning a profit will be the day DC stops publishing Batman. It's my job to make Batman profitable and whatever. And then that brought in a whole other torrent of letters. So and somebody said, and and there was one where somebody wrote in and said, "Thank you, Michael, for reminding me that the characters I loved as a youth are just merely pawns in a commercial enterprise and mean nothing else outside of their monetary value." And Mike W. Barr's sole response was, I'm losing the will to live. <laughs> so, but it's, well, why, did, why did you write that letter, Rob? That I, don't, I was very angry at the time. I don't know. It meant a lot to me. So since you covered the ads, I'll cover the ads as well here briefly. There is a Batman hosted ads called The Captive Commissioner. Mm-hmm. Where Batman uh, distracts two crooks by giving them hostess fruit pies and then knocking them out as they're driving, that. <laughs> which doesn't seem like the greatest idea in the world. There's an ad for something called Tournament of Thrills, which was like some sort of race car toy. Okay. I have no idea what that is. I, I might be kidding myself here. All right. 
think I played with one of these. Okay. I, I, I may have imagined it just from these ads. But I swear, I, I remember the little guy hitting that little crowbar and doing the flip and stuff. And I'm like, I think I had that. Okay. Anyway. There's an ad for two Treasury editions, which are the Super Friends and the Dick Tracy Treasury, which are like two of my favorites. So, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my God. That Dick Tracy book, I just read it a thousand times. So these are like two of my all-time favorite treasuries back-to-back. Absolutely. There's a there's a double bridge spread. Tarzan discovers the land of prehistoric animals drawn by Joe Kubert, which ends up being an ad for pom-poms candies, which is just sort of confusing. Um, I think they're candies, pom-poms. Is that I, would, I would assume it, it does appear to be a candy ad. Yeah, and... I can't really tell. I don't know. Anyway, there's another ad for the treasury editions where um, – there's a yeah, little it says Nabisco. Maybe okay, right. Doesn't there's, matter. There's a little order form where you can order a bunch of the treasuries, and then there's one that says Action Comics First Family First Edition is sold out. So I was like, Why are you even showing it to me then? Uh, <laughs> they're tr- well, they're trying to make you realize how valuable these yes. are. You've and then get yours now. There's an ad for three DC blockbusters: Enter the World of Warlord, which is their first issue; Hercules Unbound; and Blitzkrieg. Back when DC published lots of different kinds of comics, not just you know superhero stuff. So. Lots of fun stuff. Oh, you know what? I just assumed Blitzkrieg was part of like a World at War comic or something. No, it was its own title. How long did that last? I've never even heard like of that. Like five issues. Very short. Oh, and then there was an ad for Amazing World of DC Comics, number eight, which is an all Carmine Infantino issue. Nice. I like the little round table where he's got all these like advisors there with him. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, such a fun comic. Absolutely balls of the wall. Ins- I mean, it really was insane. Now, what this this plot continued on for a while, right? This this Ruby, whatever her name was, Ruby Falls. What was her name? Ruby Ryder. Ruby Ryder. Now she was in the previous Plastic Man appearance right. in Brave and the Bold. She's in this one. Does she show up again, or is that it? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. That's it. I'm calling Max Romero. I'm phoning a friend. Oh yeah, Max should know. Yeah, that's right. Max, right in. Let us know. Yeah. Well, Rob, I'm glad you picked this one. This was a hoot. I'm so glad we focused on Metamorpho for this Zany Haney showcase. Yeah, these were both so fun to read. These are I just absolutely – I mean I knew I would like Brie and Bold, Brie and Me 1, 2, 3 because I had already read it. And getting to read the other one for the first time was just so delightful. I am going to read the rest of the first issue specials. I know they're not going to be as good, but uh, I don't care. I'm, I'm now on a hot streak for that, for that book because I'm like, wow, this is three winners in a row. Let me know how Green Team turns out. <laughs> I'm sure Dingbats of Danger Street is going to be fantastic. <laughs> By the way, if you want to hear the feedback from the last Rosani Heaney episode, check out episode 146 of the Fire and Water podcast. came out in uh, mid-September. That's where we cover your fe- feedback from the, Zaney, the last Zaney Heaney episode. So just putting that out there for you folks. So, Rob, any, any thoughts on the next Zaney Heaney? Well, uh, I don't know. We'll have to let everybody else think. What Maybe, like, do they want us to focus on another character? Like, we could do Haney Teen Titans. We could do Haney Break. You know what I mean? Like, let us know. Haney, Haney Eclipso. Haney. Haney. I, I think he wrote, <laughs> didn't he write some Metal Men, maybe? I think he wrote Metal Men. He wrote a lot of characters. Yeah. So, yeah, we could concentrate. I, I really like going back to these Brave and the Bolds because they're just, uh, this is, like, my favorite title. Like, outside of Justice League, mm-hmm. Brave and the Bold was an instant buy. Because as Frank likes to point out, I was a Richie Rich kid, and I always had money to buy comics. But I always <laughs> – like Brave and the Bold was a blind buy every month. It, yeah. Not that I needed to because you could just buy right off the stands. But I didn't care who was the team-up star. I always bought it. And so I love going back to look at these. And especially any chance to look at Jim Apera artwork, I'm going to take. Well, that's how I felt about Marvel Team-Up when I was reading that. So I totally there understand. Yeah. Same concept. But you know what I, you know I kind of like? I kind of like this pattern of one Brave and the Bold – and one of the character in another book. 
So like we do Teen Titans, maybe we find another Teen Titans in Brave and the Bold, and we do a Teen okay. Titans issue, or we do a Metal Men in Brave and the Bold. Metal Men, you know. They issue. all appeared in Brave and the Bold. Did, like, what, did yeah, Eclipso make it into uh, Brave and the Bold? Uh, he did in the 60s, not in the 70s. So. Probably still Bob, I bet. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe not a paro though. But either way, write in, folks. Let us know what you want to do. We'll do another one of these in a few months, I'm sure, because we just love them. They make for a great break. Yeah. I, this, was, this was a welcome change from the comics <laughs> I've been reading lately. Uh, for myself, I have been reading the heck out of the uh, Marvel and Digital Limited app. Dude, I, I think I burned through like 30 comics just this week on the Marvel app, just loving it. So I'm, I'm finding my joy. I'm finding comics I'm loving and I'm just going nuts to town, going, going to town on it, going nuts. So find what you love folks. Read that. Don't waste time reading crap. You don't like, it's not worth it. So Rob, I almost called you Bob. Wow. That would have been a nice, uh, you know, dedication to you. (laughs) I don't know that you've achieved zany haniness yet. No, 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 no. Could you tell the people at home where they could find our Tumblr so they can see a few pages from these gorgeous books? Yes, it is fireandwaterpodcast.tumblr.com. And the email is, of course, firewaterpodcast.comcast.net. Great. You can find Rob over at aquamanshrine.net, also on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle, and Film and Water Pod. I have some other Twitter. plugs, too, I should mention. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a new You finally issue. got that uh, porno movie off the ground? <laughs> I'm here to. Never mind. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't have any way to pay for these yeah, comics. Yeah, exactly. I'm here to lay the cable. Uh, there's a new issue of Back Issue coming out. Uh, mm-hmm. It should be out in the next couple of weeks, number 85, which is a Christmas-themed issue. And I have an article in there about Christmas uh, power records. Uh, there's also an article by Chris Franklin. So there's a whole bunch of nuclear sub-goodness in, in that issue. It's and got, King, got Kingpin on the cover punching Spider-Man. Kingpin on the cover, <laughs> that's right, yeah. And uh, another installment of my Real Retro Cinema column for 13th Dimension is up right now where I talk about Jaws 2. The classic Jaws two, so oh, fantastic. Please, uh, please take a look at that. And I said I will be, I'll be writing them pretty regularly. So there, there'll be another one shortly. Well, if we're doing plugs, fine. Uh, I just recently <laughs> appeared on the Secret Origins podcast <laughs> talking about Blue Devil and Doctor Fate. And you can also find me right now on a brand new episode of Backworld Oracle where we talk about the Hacker Files, I kid you not. And it was a real surprise for me as we read it. And you can also find me on. The Supermates show where we did a part two of a crossover there where uh, Chris and I debated whether Crisis was really necessary. And I'll just say, I'll give you a little sneak peek. I think I won. Sam. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, I told you where to find Rob. You can also find me at firestormfan.com, uh, also on Facebook and Twitter under the same handle. And I do occasionally pop over to Tumblr, Instagram, and Pinterest, but not as often lately. So um, I guess that's going to do it. Well, folks, uh, until next time. Fan the flame, ride the wave, and zany the haney. Aquaman and Firestorm fighting crime together. Soak them down or burn them up. No one does it better. Whenever you find trouble, they'll always be there to catch them in a bubble or even torch their hair. They stand for truth and justice and see a land in air. Aquaman and Firestorm, they make a super pair. Aquaman and Firestorm, super friends forever. Yeah. Rex, my boy, you're wonderful. How'd you do it? 
Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen is H2O, otherwise known as water. Fumo supplied the hydrogen, I supplied the oxygen, QED. Good thinking, Rex. Fantastic element, man. Elementary, my dear Watson. <laughs>